Welcome back to the Misadventure Podcast. Today, we are taking a slightly different tack, and we've been talking travel, Chandler and I, these past few episodes, Mm -hmm. and Chandler, as I kept seeing more of your sketches that you were referencing, both in person and also on your blog, which if you don't, if our listeners don't know, it's Drawn the Road Again. Kind of like the Willie Nelson song, but a terrible pun. (laughs) And, and I, I apologize if that gets in your head. <laughs> I highly recommend looking if you have, haven't already because the sketches on there are just incredible. But as I kept looking through them, I really wanted to know more about the process behind them and how you arrive at the decisions that you make mm. and uh, just, I guess, the background of them, how you got started, why you do it, mm. what you enjoy. Well, I guess... Um, it's funny cause I'm more of a product person than a process person, <laughs> but my work is really process heavy and, um, yeah, so that, that sketching process is kind of now ingrained in the way I travel, like how I pack the car, how I plan a trip, what do I bring with me? What, how much time do I carve out? How many miles am I going to do in a day? That sort of thing. Um, so yeah, now it's kind of ingrained as part of my process, but, um, it started, I, I've been sketching for a long time, but I, I started doing the closest cousin to what I do now. I started that when I lived in Rome as a student. So this was 2001, 2002. And um, we, all of our studio work that year was independent study. So this is part of art school. I went to Rhode Island School of Design and they have a program there. It's now, it's not even a full year program anymore. It's a six month program, but um all of the studio work was independent study, except that we had the one requirement that we had to keep at least one sketchbook when we were there. And there were no requirements. We could do anything we wanted with it. Some people just had little spiral-bound notebooks. Some people had little scraps of paper that they turned into sketchbooks. Um, but I bought a sketchbook, and I decided to try watercolor because I'd never really done it much before and I started doing these full bleed full color paintings on each page and um, that is very similar to what I do now I mean my style has changed a little bit I'm a little looser now I'm more confident now um, now that I've had all this time under my belt but it's very similar to what I was doing then and but I've, I've gone through these phases. Like I, I showed you my sketchbook when we talked about Paris. I showed you that one. And that was a little aberration where I was trying something different. I had um, uh, figure drawings. I'd go to model sessions. And I'd have, so I had these nude figures. And then all of the negative space between the body and then the rest of the page, I would fill in all the little nooks and crannies with other sketches. So I tried that one for a few years. And um, I also have a sketchbook, a huge sketchbook. I've never done one this big before, but I did a big sketchbook of Boston, just of Boston, that I brought um, oil paints (laughs) with me. And I did oil paintings on paper, like plein air on the street, sometimes with a palette knife, sometimes with brushes. Um, so I, so I've tried all kinds of stuff over the years and I, that sketchbook, um, fell apart, but I still have the pages from it tucked away somewhere. I don't even know where (laughs) I'd have to find them. Maybe I could dig those out and see if I can scan them. How long did you have to dry the pages? Uh, a while, <laughs> like a week. So, and it was in sketchbook form. Yeah. So, so could you close it? No. <laughs> so I could, so I could do like one spread, and then I have to like carry it home on the bus, oh open because I'm an idiot, <laughs> and then I'd leave it out to dry. 
And then I figured out maybe I shouldn't be doing this, and I switched to acrylic for the second half of the book. <laughs> yeah. That, wow. Some people learn by figuring stuff out. I have to learn by doing things wrong <laughs> and then realizing, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, but I bet the people on the bus with you really enjoyed it. Uh, they Well, by the time I crossed the state line into Rhode Island, they were like, oh, well, you're just another art student because they were used to <laughs> oh. seeing all these freaks. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I have I have weirded people out. I have I have made people do double takes before with my little setup. Or It's funny because some places when I'm sketching, I get completely ignored, and I love that. I love it when people don't notice I'm there. Um, other places I get mobbed with people, like either tourists like Japanese tourists in Paris or in Seattle, I get approached with by those clipboard guys all the time. I'm like, I'm working. <laughs> um, in New York, I could be lying dead in the street and they just step over me and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get complete anonymity there. In Italy, you get no anonymity. People are very chatty and they want to know all about you and they sometimes they invite you home for dinner and sometimes they're creepy old men who want to go out on a date with you and... <sighs> So I've experienced just about everything. I've also had some serious street harassment because I'm a, you know, captive audience, basically. I'm stuck there. So sometimes I, I actually am now in the habit of I always take a reference photo before I start. Um, and then usually one at the end if the light's changed and, because if I have to finish later. And sometimes I have to finish later because some dude is street harassing me and I have to get out of there. It is a sad reality. That is gross. Yeah. But it's all... It's part of it, and it's part of being a woman and doing this sort of work. I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever turned around and started sketching the guy who's harassing you? <laughs> I've never <laughs> been ballsy enough to do that, although I wonder what would happen. I know. I'm really curious. So how long have you been using sketchbooks, just in general? I started in high school. Um, I, used to, I used to just draw on random things. Like I'd draw on a piece of paper, or I'd draw on my English homework or, you know. Um, when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a Disney animator. And so I thought that I would end up going to CalArts, California Institute of the Arts, which is in Santa Clarita, California, north of LA, up past Burbank. It was a feeder school for the Disney studios. And um, it's still one of the top animation programs in the country. And I, when I was 16, we did a college visit. My dad and I took a road trip, just the two of us out there. I had just gotten my license, and he said, okay, you have to, you have to drive almost the whole way. Because he wanted me to learn how to drive in a city and drive in the mountains and drive, you know, whatever. So I have these vivid memories of that part of the trip. And mm. we, so we did a college visit, and we met with some of the teachers. I didn't end up going there, obviously, but... Um, one of the pieces of advice they gave me is they said, you know, if you want to get into animation, we really want to see that you can draw. And not just that you can draw, but that you are observant. Because a lot of animation is doing like walk cycles, like doing animation of different characters walking. And they all have to be different because they have to stand out in some way. And so if you are observant of real life, then that's going to give you a lot of tools to animate with. So he said, keep a sketchbook of drawing from life. Like, draw your classmates. Draw people on the bus. Go to the airport. Draw people at the airport. Draw animals at the zoo. Like, get in the habit of observing things and putting it down on paper. And I have basically never stopped since then. So we really are at 20 years now. <laughs> and that was the first, like, really concerted 
effort I made. Like there was some before that, but that was, I never stopped after that point. Hmm. And I started out with these little like spiral bound, crappy Strathmore notebooks, you know, with paperback covers and just drawing people in class or whatever. And then I started drawing scenes and going to the zoo and I started like bringing little canvases with me when we'd travel and I'd, <laughs> dad would, I'd get up at before sunrise and dad would drive me up like to a mountain and drop me off and then I'd meet him at the bottom of the hill in two hours and I'd have a little <laughs> painting that I did. He let me do all kinds of this stuff. Wow. Um, I think I Instagrammed a picture of me, like little 16-year-old me, like holding, Yes. 15-year-old me holding a painting in front of. I remember that now. Yeah. It's like a throwback Thursday or something. Yeah. It was really throwback. <laughs> back yeah that's a that's a ways back yeah that was a great picture yeah but it but the the it didn't all come together to what I'm doing now until I moved to Italy Hmm. I'm really interested to hear about how travel informs your art how Ah. art informs your travel interesting Um, and just how you make the choices you do when it comes to sketching both my blessing and my curse is that I'm interested in absolutely everything. (laughs) So um, sometimes when I do a trip, I'll have kind of a theme like, okay, on this road trip, I'm going to go see all 21 missions in California. And that's kind of the goal for the trip. Or maybe I'm lighthouse hunting on the Great Lakes or whatever. Um, But the problem is along the way, I'm interested in everything. I'm interested in neon signs. I'm interested in found lettering. I'm interested in old architecture or Hmm weird stories of, you know, something's making or something's creation or um, stuff that used to be there and isn't anymore. So it gets to be a problem because I'll have a plan, but then I'll be like, oh, but look at this thing over here. And oh, I didn't An even know. An embarrassment of riches. Yeah. To, do, you, do you set out, like if you're going to a specific place, do you have a vision of an angle or like a thing that you're going to be sketching? Yes, usually. It doesn't doesn't always go to plan, but I usually have a plan. Okay. Most of my travel is by road trip. I generally have, you know, I have to get to this destination by the end of the day. And I try mm. to not make that too far away because I know, I just know there's going to be 35 things at least that I was not expecting or uh, something that was part of the plan. I'm going to get sucked in and end up spending like two hours there when I only have <laughs> like a few minutes that I was planning on. So I, tr- I try to give that gift to myself. Hmm. So maybe I'm only going to cover a couple hundred miles that day, or maybe I'm, I only have, I only have to do say five hours of driving. Okay. Um, but everything else is gravy or there's time to linger. Um, so I try to build that in. I try to build in time for both stuff that I've planned and serendipity because I, I know by now it'll happen. Usually when I have those packed days like that, I don't have time to do a ton of sketching hmm. on site. Um, I would love to, I would, uh, and on the days that I do get time to just sit and sketch, that is great. It's such a luxury, but I often don't have that luxury or I'll, I'll have just enough time to start a sketch or like do some pencil scratches and then fill it in later. Um, sometimes what it'll come down to is I'll think, okay, I only have time today to really finish one sketch, but I have time to maybe start six or seven others. Mm. So I kind of, I will think like, I'll be traveling. I'll be like, okay, is this the spot that I really want to sit down and spend two hours Mm. and get sucked in? Or do I want to save it for the next bit? So a lot of it is trying to make that executive decision. Yeah. It seems like it would be really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. And then sometimes like I'll do that sketch and then I'll get to the next point and I'll be like, Oh, I should (laughs) have, this should have been it. I should have done it here. And it, 
sometimes it's hard. I approach drawing from the eye of an illustrator because that's what I do. And I think of myself more as a compositor than as a documenter, if that mm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do want to document my experiences and document my places, but I edit like crazy. <laughs> um, I if, if a building is ruining my composition, out it goes, or I might move it. Or I here's an element that I saw down the street, but I really liked it, so I'm going to just put it in hmm. my drawing because it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't do all of my work on site. Sometimes I do, but oftentimes I don't have time. So I take photos. I get help from my photos. Um, I do a lot of work in the studio later, whether it's coloring a line drawing or sometimes finishing the drawing itself. Um, and that's okay because... For me, it's more, for me, it's the finished drawing that matters and the memory of that trip that arises from seeing that finished drawing. So sometimes I'll do drawings years later, years after the fact. I'm hmm. like, oh, yeah, I want to do a drawing about that thing that I saw. And I try, when I'm traveling, I try to leave room in my sketchbook for that. Like, I know I'm probably going to want to get to that. Or I do a lot of maps in my sketchbook, but hmm. I don't have time to do that on the trip because right. I can't be like, oh, I'm in St. Louis. I'm going to sit here and puzzle out this map of St. Louis while I'm sitting, like, it's <laughs> not going to happen. Right. So I try to leave, like, I, I'll earmark a page that says, here's where the map of St. Louis is going to go. And then when I get home in the studio, I might sit down and do my own little map of St. Louis and put little icons on there, like, here are all the hot dog stands in St. Louis, or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, I love doing stuff like that, or I'll do overview spreads that talk about the history <laughs> of a place. Um, I once did one, and we can link to this in the show notes, I once did one about the White City in Chicago, it was the World's Fair that they had there. Um, and a lot of, there are a few buildings still in downtown Chicago that are left over from that World's Fair, including the Art Institute mm-hmm. um, and including the lions in front of the Art Institute. So I did this whole spread that wasn't really a documented scene about what I saw, but it, it, it was a drawing that I did that talks about this history of the White City and it had this lettering that said the White City. So, mm. um, so I do a lot of stuff like that too. And obviously I'm not doing that at the time on, right. on the scene. I think for me, the biggest thing is learning to trust myself and trust my instincts and trust my process. Because sometimes, sometimes I second guess myself or I try to force myself to do everything on site. And then I get Mm -hmm. this great sketchbook out of it, but then there's all this stuff that I come up later, like, oh, I never sketched this other thing. Right. So I actually, I have a few trips like that where I have a sketchbook from that trip, but then in the studio, I started a whole different one that I did completely after the fact, after I got home. Because there was more I wanted to say Mm -hmm. visually about these places. Hmm. And if, I don't. I mean, I guess I could have saved it to do like a painting or a digital piece, but I just wanted to stay within that medium of the sketchbook. Um, so I, I guess for me, it's whatever form it takes at the end. It doesn't really matter. I'm just more interested in letting myself have the room to hmm. explore, and whether I do it on site or I do it later, it doesn't really matter. Right. You know, one of the thing. One of the other things that I have have made a concerted effort to do. Like you ask what I was looking for when I'm drawing. And I just thought of something that has been a shift for me and it's been an intentional thing. Um, when I first started doing sketchbook drawings, I would always want to do like the pretty scene. Like here's the scene from the top of the hill in Gubbio in Italy, or here's the 
you know, the view from the Empire State Building or whatever. And I found that while I remember those moments, I don't get a real sense for the place as it really is Mm -hmm. when I look back. But what I remember are a lot of times your trip memories are weird things like that weird custom at this one restaurant or, you know, mm-hmm. um, this, this bizarre signage that's around town and only in this town, not in this other one. Right. And so I started making a concerted effort to do sketches of those things hmm. in addition to the pretty scenes or whatever. Of course, there's pretty scenes. But uh, an example is back to France. There's, um, if you remember on the metro, the metro, there's on the doorways, when they tell you don't stick your hand in the door to keep the door open, there's a little character of a rabbit that's telling you not to do that. And I have a sketchbook drawing of that rabbit. And I think that was the first sketch of that type that I ever did. So this was like 2008. So so like the last not quite 10 years I've been doing this. And now that I make an effort to do those sorts of things, like what color are the trash cans in Chicago? Or what like the street sweepers in in Italy or just little like everyday things that the locals would totally take for granted and a tourist wouldn't even notice Mm -hmm. necessarily. That's what I want to put in my sketchbook because then when I look at those, then I really remember the city or whatever, the country or state on its own terms. Right. So people will look through my sketches and they're like, why do you have a picture of a plastic cow in here? I'm like, oh, well, this town has, like, commemorates every holiday with, like, a new plastic cow or whatever. <laughs> I just made that up. But I have a lot of examples of that now. And that's the stuff that sticks out in my mind now. Hmm. So I really try for that. Like, I keep using hot dogs as, a, <laughs> as an example. But one time, I, I only had, I've been to New York, like, a million times. I'm sure we'll do... A podcast about this. So every time I go to New York, I usually have a different theme or a different goal hmm. or whatever, something I haven't seen or something I want to see again. The last time I was in New York was a few years ago, like three years ago. I went with my husband and we only had, a, we had less than a day. That's all we, we were staying in New Jersey oh, and I just wanted it. I was like, that's brutal. It was like January 2nd. So it was right after New okay. Year. It was freezing. We had a couple of very close friends who lived near the city and we didn't have time to do anything real and it was still Christmas break so a lot of stuff was closed and um so the thing that I wanted to do and bless my friends they all stuck with me I wanted to have a hot dog war (laughs) what so there's two uh, okay let me back up the train a bit you know there's a million hot dog stands in New York yes well back in the 1930s a certain hot dog stand er Standeur, <laughs> vendeur, um, a certain restaurateur of hot dogs wanted to stand out from the crowd. And the way he decided to do that was by offering tropical juice as the thing to go with it. So he started the Papaya King in like 1932. And it's funny because we were just talking about this today. Yes, we were. Um, and then um, Gray's papaya started as the first competition. And Gray's papaya is now more famous because it's right on 72nd and Broadway in huh. New York. But, the, but it's not the original. The Papaya King was the original. And there used to be a whole bunch of others. But now it's mostly those, those two. And I wanted to have, like for the blog, I wanted to have a Papaya King versus Gray's papaya standoff <laughs> with like try the hot dogs, try the juice, do sketches of both and their weird decor. And so that's what we did that day. And and 
that's such a bizarre thing to choose, <laughs> but I feel like that's such a uniquely you like New York thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to have a papaya hot dog war in Toledo, Ohio. Right. You know, that is such a New York thing. And I feel like my sketches from that day and the blog post that I did, like it's an odd story, but really it tells the story of New York. Right. And the real New York, not, not the touristy New York. <laughs> the essence of New York. Yeah. Of like, crappy $3 papaya king was way better by the way just <laughs> oh, saying papaya oh, right. king was get way that. better okay. than grace papaya <laughs> and they have better branding <laughs> <laughs> that usually does it for me yeah it seals yeah. the deal it, it it i was skewed in that direction anyway but the hot dog really was better too <laughs> i was reading about your process on your blog and i thought it was interesting you talked about how your sketchbooks are I don't remember if you use the word ephemeral, but just they are a very different kind of art than you have done before. It's a lot looser. Yeah. And does that, yes. how does that work? Does it give you more freedom? What a lot of people will tell you, and I, I once a year I teach a one day sketching workshop. It's kind of all I have time for, but this comes up both with my students and with fellow artists, also with people who are just looking to get into drawing for the first time, or even journaling, even if they're doing a travel journal, I hear this from people. People are intimidated by the blank page. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I've been illustrating for almost 20 years now professionally, and I still have a little bit of that feeling of being intimidated by the blank page, huh. or feeling like it needs to be perfect, whatever the finished result is. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's in a pre-bound sketchbook, it's going to be in there forever. Like, I'm not going to tear out the pages. It's not perforated. It's not spiral-bound. Like, I have these nice sketchbooks. And I used to do a lot of drawing, when I, especially when I lived overseas. I, I had these beautiful hand-bound sketchbooks, either ones that I had made or that I'd bought. Like, I bought one from a a paper store that had been in business in Rome since the Renaissance. (laughs) Wow. So it was this beautiful leather-bound book, and I thought, oh, my God, nothing I make is ever going to be worthy of this book. That is some serious pressure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, the finished sketchbook is gorgeous because it's in this beautiful package, but then I find that my drawings in there were getting so tight, and I'd spend hours and hours and hours because I'd want to make the best drawing I could possibly make. And then one year I took a trip, a road trip with my husband and I was late in getting everything ready and I thought, well, I want to draw, but I don't want to go overboard and get a fancy sketchbook. I just want to, I just want to draw and not Mm -hmm. worry about it. So what I had on hand was one of those Moleskine sketchbooks, you know, they're they're, they're those mass produced, they're bound in Naga hide, you know, they're nice. (laughs) They're, they're about, I don't know, they're like 12 to $15, depending on when you buy them. And they're about, they have about 40 spreads in the sketchbooks. And, um, I actually really love those notebooks and I use them now almost exclusively. There's a few other types that I use. I have, I have stopped using hand-bound sketchbooks for years hmm. now. Like I've stopped that. Um, I do have a few that I did as kind of like an interlude in between, but for the most part I use these Moleskines or, or a couple other brands. In terms of quality for fine art, they're actually not very good. <laughs> like they're in terms of like mass-produced notebooks, they're very high end. Right. Very, yeah. very high end. But in terms of like traditional art supplies, they're so far on the low end, it's ridiculous. Um, but I chose them because A, they're pre-made. I don't have to worry about hand binding anything or buying a fancy thing. So I can do more. I can do a greater output 
for not spending a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Although some people complain that they're really expensive, but for me, what I'm used to spending on art supplies, I'm like, this is nothing. Right. I mean, I have a, I have paintbrushes that are like eighty dollar paintbrushes. So, like, art supplies are really expensive. So mm-hmm. these so these don't feel expensive by comparison. Mm-hmm. I like their standard sketchbook, which has a paper that is almost exactly like a Manila folder. Oh, really? It's that kind of oak tag. Huh consistency and color has kind of a smooth finish it is like painting on oak tag it's terrible for watercolor it <laughs> fights the it it fights the it bleeds if you put too much water in there it fights putting color on the page and i love the effect that happens so hmm. when other artists like people who know what they're doing with watercolor see these sketchbooks that i do they're like why the hell are you using these <laughs> why why are you still using those notebooks but then I don't know. It's kind of become its own thing for me. It's a, mm-hmm. it's now I'm very comfortable with using them because I know how to work with them. And it's kind of become my hallmark because they're so recognizable now. Like if you, now it's gotten to the point I've done enough sketches and have a, and posted enough of them online that sometimes when you Google a place on image search, my sketches come up. Oh, wow. And you can totally tell when it's me because it's very, because of this material that I'm using and because of my methods, like it's really obvious that it's me. So it's kind of become, it's kind of taken on a life of its own all because I didn't want to worry about being a perfectionist on the page. And I also felt like if I'm using this inexpensive book, if I make a mistake, it's okay. Hmm. I'm still not going to tear the page out, but I'm not going to worry so much. Okay. And I do make mistakes. Like one time I was on a plane and my pen exploded <laughs> and I got this huge blotch everywhere and it ruined the drawing and I was so upset. But now I look at that drawing and I remember that day and I right. think, you know, it's kind of a humorous story mm-hmm. now. So it it's become this, I don't know, it becomes all part of the journey, I guess, to sound cheeseball. <laughs> but, you know, I also, I scratch stuff out. I do a lot mm. of annotations on my drawings. Mm-hmm. So it'll, um, you know, like I'll put an arrow that says like, this was the such and such built in this year, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I'll fact check and I'll, I'll find that I got it wrong. And so I'll scratch it out and say, oh, I meant 1847, not 1849. <laughs> so that stuff happens all the time. Huh. And it's now kind of become endearing for me. And just all part of the process. Right. It sounds like it kind of reminds you that this is just, it's for fun and it's not going to be set in stone. Yeah. And what I always tell my students is, you know what? The beauty about sketchbooks is you can close the book. If you do a drawing that you're less than proud of, you never have to show anybody if you don't want to. Hmm. And I spent years, well over a decade, not because I hated my drawings, but I didn't show them to anybody just because I just, they felt like, I don't know, why would anybody be interested in this? And <laughs> Which is hilarious. <laughs> probably stupid. But, and you know, when I, I'm really into art history and when I research other artists that I admire, what I really want to see are their sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Like John Singer Sargent, he was the original urban sketcher and I always throw him in my lectures when I talk about this or when I teach my class. Like I love seeing the the drawings and the sketches of paintings before they've happened. He just... spent like, I don't know how, many, how much time he spent like in a boat in Venice mm-hmm. with like five colors in his palette <laughs> and he did the most amazing things. Yeah, well, and I think, personality comes out so much very much because so. it's not I mean this is just theoretically for the artist's use only right and, and I so, feel like you put your your I feel like the sketchbooks the sketchbooks that artists do and I'm no exception to this I feel like 
that is the best work an artist ever does <laughs> because it's for them. It's mm -hmm. what they really care about. It's how they really think. They're being really honest because they don't necessarily think anyone's ever going to see it. Right. They're not afraid to make mistakes because, again, no one's going to see it. And I, I don't know. I feel like that gets at the heart of who they really are. And I hmm. really feel like that's true of me. And unfortunately, I'm at a point now where now people see my drawings. And now they're seeing drawings as I do them. I'll post an, an in-progress shot on social media and say, here's, this, here's a sketch that I'm working on in front of the thing that I'm actually drawing. And I'm starting to see that now, but I swear to God I was the first one to do that. I swear to God. <laughs> like, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I swear to God I did that first. <laughs> but now I kind of feel this pressure because mm. now it's like, well, what if this isn't any good? Or I, have to, I, have to, I was planning to post next week about the world's largest artichoke and I'm not really liking the sketch that I did. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so it's become its own beast. Yeah, I feel like I'm stepping out of that honesty a little bit huh. of like what artist sketchbooks really are. Like what do you do just for fun? I mean, do you have sub-sketches, sub-sketchbooks now? Yes. Like sketches oh. for the sketchbook? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. And, it, and in fact, I have a sketchbook here that is just for like my design ideas mm. and I have sketchbooks that are just for projects and I have sketchbooks that are only have drawings of plants at the arboretum or <laughs> uh, I have one that's from a zoo and just animal sketches or I, hmm. I love drawing interesting people um, although I've been doing less and less of that because I don't really post those on the blog so that has kind of been, like the blog has really kind of informed what I choose to focus on hmm. and what I choose to finish and let languish unfinished I don't know. I mean, hmm. this could all just be one giant trap, but I guess I'm just trying to trust it and let it, <laughs> let it happen. So how, if you are in a place like somewhere in Texas and you've never been there before and you doubt you'll get back, how do you choose sketches there versus some place that you go to over and over again, like the San Juans? If it's a place I've never been, I try to get to the big stuff. Hmm. Like the like the primary stuff on my list that I researched before going there, that's what I'm really going to focus on because that's what I came there for. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the serendipitous stuff will happen, but I'll, but that's where I'll take a reference photo and maybe leave room for it in my sketchbook and do it later. Hmm. But yeah, that's where I'm like, okay, I am here to see the Chicago Theater marquee. That's what I'm drawing today. <laughs> I even have a sketch for that. We can add that to the show notes. Oh, good. Um, but if it's a place that I go habitually... Um, like the San Juans or, say, Seattle, somewhere local, um, that's when I get really granular. Hmm. And I'll start doing, like, sometimes I'll revisit the same place over and over again. I have some sketches that are the same spot at different times. Um, like, the, do you remember the old Hostess Cake Factory oh, in yes. Seattle? Well, yes, it got I torn do. down, and now it's an ugly condo. I have a bunch of sketches of it in process like I have one before they tore it down because I loved it and then I got word they were going to tear it down so then I kept coming back I have one where the building is still there but all the stuff has been stripped off of it hmm. I have one where it's just a hole in the ground I have one where they've got scaffolding up huh. I also will show like here's a landscape in the winter and here it is in bloom in the spring um, I hmm. also will get into really obscure views like like I've already done all the major stuff on San Juan Island like I've got sketches of you know, Cattle Point, and I've got sketches, I've got multiple sketches of Lime Kiln Lighthouse, and I've got 
lots of Friday Harbor stuff, but maybe this time I'm going to go check out this tiny little county park on the northeastern corner of the island that nobody knows about and mm-hmm. do a sketch up there. So I try to like get really deep mm-hmm. into a subject matter. I love the one of you waiting for the pilot car. You're stopped. And there's the, the construction person with the stop sign. <laughs> In the sign. pink hard hat. And there's a, yeah. And a fox is crossing yeah. the road too. And I suppose, I mean, if you're stuck in Amarillo, Texas, in the same kind of situation, maybe you would still bust out your yeah. sketchbook. Oh, yeah. And I have a lot of sketchbooks of, like, we're stuck in heinous traffic. So here is a <laughs> sketch of all the cars around us. And they're not, like, they're not great sketches. I probably won't put them on the blog because, like, who cares? Like, here's some <laughs> random cars in a traffic jam. I think it would be really nice to actually see something beautiful and artistic come out of horrible traffic. Well, one thing that I did do was I found that, I, I find myself sketching the road itself over and over and over and over again because it, it, it's this great compositional tool <laughs> because it's linear and it's often curvy and you can follow like the double yellow line into this. It's a great compositional tool. And on my one-year anniversary for the blog, I did a, um, a post about just road sketches that I had done. And I had more than I could possibly post. Like, I think I had, like, I don't know, a dozen or something sketches in there. And it was only a fraction of what I had. Huh. So I, I figured out, like, oh, I, use, I do this all the time. This is, like, a trope for me. <laughs> um, but it was kind of interesting because that's what they had in common. So some hmm. of them were like these absolutely desolate, barren landscapes with just the road. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like the road was like this little thread through a like a complicated coastline. Right. Um, so, yeah. But just using that as the constant to highlight these different yeah. backgrounds. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess that, huh. that again, saying, showing that I'm interested in everything. And there, <laughs> there's always something to sketch. Do you have any other tropes, Chandler O'Leary tropes? Yeah, I get, I love repeating patterns. Mm. And I also, I always end up biting off more than I can chew. I'm really interested in these really crazy scenes, like overcomplicated scenes. Like there's a, there's a city in Italy called Matera and it is, it's in Southern Italy and it's built into a canyon. It's, it dates back to the, I think 12th century. And it was started by monks that were hiding from the Turks. Hmm. And they hid in these caves in this canyon. And they thought, hey, this is awesome. Let's start a city. (laughs) And so they started building these dwellings. And these dwellings are all built within the caves of this canyon. And it was so well hidden that not only did the Turks not find them, but the Italian government didn't find them until the 1950s. (laughs) They were still living under a feudalist system. It was was like this step back into time. And if you go there, you can. It, the whole city is a UNESCO World Heritage Site now. It's an amazing place. And if you stand at basically anywhere on this hilltop, looking into this canyon of all of these ho- these houses and buildings all jumbled together, it is this crazy scene of just overstimulation, like hmm. it's sensory overload of all of these buildings like jumbled on top hmm. of each other. And that is the sort of thing that I want to sketch all the time. And I start sketching and then I think, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? And then I kind of like, either my brain is like, I give up or I run out of time and I start fudging stuff or <laughs> I peter out or whatever. And I remember at the time, the first, when I went to Matera that time years ago, I was a college student. Um, my friend Alex, who was a classmate of mine, um, Alex Lucas was his name. Wherever you are, Alex, shout out to you. <laughs> he shows up next to me. And I'm trying to draw, I'm like struggling with this scene and not doing very well. And then he shows up next to me and he's got this box of little pieces of paper, 
Like they're not bound into a sketchbook. They're just little, they look like post-it notes, but they're just little pieces of paper. And he starts drawing a little bit and then putting it away and drawing a little bit and putting it away and drawing a little bit and putting it away. And then he sort of wanders off after about an hour or two. And then at the end of the year, we had this big sketchbook show. And he, he asked for a whole wall of the gallery space and we're like, okay, you can have it. And I watched him install his piece in the show and it was all these little pieces of paper. He tacks them up onto the wall and it's the entire city. Like somehow he managed what? to do it. His brain didn't break. Oh my god! He got all the he, pieces. They all fit together. He did it as a grid. Just, he, just, and they, it wasn't like a. It was not a tidy grid. It was kind uh -huh. of like like photos being stitched together. Right. But he but, managed to put together the whole city <gasps> on that wall. That's pretty amazing. That I bet that was a really cool reveal. And yeah, and, and it was even more impressive just like, cause I, I was standing right next to him when he did it and I mm -hmm. didn't think anything of it at the time. <laughs> and I saw this thing and my jaw just dropped and I, it just, I've, I still have never seen anything like that. Oh my gosh. I tried to replicate it once for a show. I tried hmm. to do it and I couldn't do it. I, like I, I got about halfway and then I lost it. Like I, I couldn't complete the scene. That is high concept right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I find I keep trying to do stuff like that. I keep trying to do these really complicated scenes or really ornate architecture, and I it's always more than I my brain can handle. <laughs> so I guess that's the goal. Like to get, I want to be Alex Lucas someday. I want to be able to do that. <laughs> so how does your sketchbook art differ from the rest of what you do, like your Fifty States series or the the Bird series? It definitely informs. That stuff, uh, often the studio work that I do is different in style. Not always, but a lot of times. Because I have more materials at my disposal. Mm -hmm. Like I have digital at my disposal. I have acrylic paint. Things I can't shove in my bag and take with me. But I find I get a lot of ideas when I'm traveling. Um, I'm really mm. attracted to farmland and how farming practices differ in different regions. And so recently, just last year, I did a big series that I'm actually still working on. It's kind of a, it's expanding a series about farms and farmland and crops. Um, and even, I even did uh, a series of paper sculptures, which is, which I've never done before. I've hmm. never done 3d work. Um, and, but all of that has been informed by my travel. Uh, I come up with ideas all the time when I'm traveling, like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a series about this or do a, do an artist book about this or write a book about this. So, hmm. Um, and also, the dis like just drawing in my sketchbook all the time and having to work quickly because somebody's waiting for me or I've got a <laughs> lunch date in an hour or it's about to rain or whatever. Learning to work quickly has given me a level of discipline now where I can bang out an idea really quickly huh. and flesh out a composition really, really quickly. I also now think in viewfinder mode all the time um huh. so wherever one of the things I do for my students is I because another intimidating thing about sketching is how what do you put on that blank page like mm -hmm. how do you fill the page how do you compose a scene um I always cut out little cardboard viewfinders for them so it's just a rectangle of cardboard with another rectangle cut out of it and I maybe have a few different sizes like there's a square one there's a panoramic one there's a page proportion one and I hand those out and I say if you're ever worried about framing in a composition hold this up and the you know if you if you hold it closer to your eye it zooms out if you hold it further away from your eye it zooms in you can kind of trap a composition within that square mm -hmm. 
I think like that all the time. Like that's how I see things. Like it's like mm-hmm. I'm a walking viewfinder. And so um, if I'm driving by myself, I'll just pull over because holy cow, there's a great composition right there. Huh. Or um, so it, drawing all the time has really trained my eye that way. And I'm much more confident about approaching any project that way. That is so interesting. I think photographers would tell you the same thing because yeah. photographers okay. think in terms of composition. Yep. Um, but I don't know how much they use that outside of their photography. For me, it translates to fleshing out ideas or composing an illustration or whatever. So it's definitely a, it's like a muscle that you hmm. are exercising. I have terrible abs, but I have really strong eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Maybe. <laughs> Send a check to P.O. Box. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, I I was looking at lots of different sketches from different artists, and I can definitely tell the difference in your sketches because you're so detail-oriented. I think the other thing is I fill the whole page, and not everybody does that. Well, and you annotate. And and you fact-check your annotations. (laughs) So when you were saying, like, the personality or, you know, the the true person really comes through, yes, there you go. (laughs) I think insufferable know-it-all is probably the personality. But correct. But for me, sketching is an extension of learning, and I've always loved learning. I've always been curious. I always want to know the stories behind stuff, and sketching is a way for me to get in there and do that. And, And it also, I'm an introvert. People don't believe that sometimes, but I am. And I would much rather just be absorbed and be alone and kind of blend into the woodwork. And But sometimes sketching is an icebreaker and I'll... Like, like, like I'll be sketching an establishment and then the owner will come out and say, what are you doing? And then they'll see and they'll be like, oh, cool. And then I'll say, hey, so you're the owner. When did you open this place? And I'll find out the whole story of the place because it opens them up and they want to tell me. Or people will see my sketches and then they'll tell me this other great story that's kind of unrelated and that gets me to do a sketch of whatever it is they told me about. Um, sometimes my friend Mary Alice, who I've talked about, we'll have her on at some point. Mm-hmm. She'd be great. Um, she, I travel with her fairly frequently. She's one of my travel soulmates. She constantly drags me into places. Like I'll be, I'll be sketching something, and she'll get mad that I don't want to talk about it to the owner, and she'll be like, "Oh yes, you are," and she'll <laughs> grab me and take me in and say, "Look what she just did," and <laughs> show it to them. So I don't know. You're a creative type. I mean, have you ever sketched while you travel? Have you ever drawn or or written? had a travel journal that you've done little drawings in? I have tried. I'm I'm terrible at it and I haven't flexed that muscle enough. And someday <laughs> I mean actually sooner probably rather than later now. I'm inspired by <laughs> by you, but um it's really hard. That blank page is yeah. is scary. It is scary. And then also you add to it the the YOLO aspect of it like I, will I ever get back to this place I, yeah that is Am actually I, my kryptonite right there it's like should I be spending time on this drawing when I'm missing out on 25 other things that right. I have to give up by doing this drawing and it's a trade-off you know yeah you do have to give up stuff to spend time sketching but the trade the trade-off is that you remember that experience so much more clearly when you've drawn it, when you've spent time really studying it, rather than letting your camera do all the seeing for you. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I tend to just take pictures of everything. So, yeah. But then what do I do with those do pictures? Do you even look at them again? No, I mean, sometimes I, I have trips where I only took photos and then I never look at them again. Yeah. And then I don't remember Jack Diddley from that 
from that trip. I think the digital aspect, I mean, now it's digital, but Mm -hmm. back in the day, like during some of my earlier travels, it was film. But, you know, those packets of the negatives and like the, you know, developed photos, I would stuff them into a box with all the others. And now it's like a box in the basement that contains all of these incredible scenes, but not very specific memories. That's where I think that is really the saving grace of the sketchbook is you want to put it on yourself for one thing. You want to, it's intimate. You can look at it anytime. Mm -hmm. It's just begging to be thumbed through. It's really accessible. Yeah. 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 So that's, I think in that way, it's way less overwhelming than a photo album. Hmm. Because then, I mean, I would much rather build up a sketchbook full of drawings then sit down and put together a photo album. Oh, yeah. And I used to do photo albums. I used to do it. I haven't done it in years, but I, I used to. I used to really love doing it. But it's and a lot of it's work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's so much work and so time-consuming. Yeah. And the real magic happens later when you look at a finished sketchbook because it tells this story. And I'm very... One of the things I'm really anal about on my, on my travels is I always begin a road trip with a brand new sketchbook. There's, it's always more than one. Some, like my Route 66 books, I, I, I think there's 30 sketchbooks of that trip. Something like, it's a lot. So you need a whole bookshelf. Oh yeah. Okay. It's getting me a problem. Like I have filing <laughs> cabinets. I've, oh, I, I don't have, I no longer have a system and it's getting me a problem. <laughs> but I always end the trip at the end of a sketchbook. So like it, if it starts getting to be close, like sometimes I'll put filler in there, like extra maps, yay! Or... Like, I'll drive around a little extra to find more fodder. Like, I'm always, it always ends at the end of a book. Like, I never end at the middle of a book. Because I want to tell a complete story, whether it's one book or 20. So you're pacing yourself Mm -hmm. in the sketchbook the entire time. At the beginning of the trip, I just willy-nilly, like, just fill as much as you want, blah, blah, blah. And when I took this month-long trip, I think I brought 100 sketchbooks with me. And I think I used, or at least earmarked, 50? (gasps) It was a month. It was a month on the road. yeah. Um, so I didn't use everything, but I brought a ton and I just fill, 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 fill. But then like the last couple days of the trip, that's when I started budgeting like, okay, well I have this many spreads left or I have to go around the horn and start a whole new, whole new book. Hmm. And I don't think I have that much left or maybe I do. Right. So, um, I'm really anal about that because I want (laughs) to tell this whole story and I only have a few sketchbooks that are completely, completely done or as done as they'll ever be. Um, but those are the ones that I show and, and it's great to see people kind of thumb through this and it's this whole story from beginning to end. And yeah, it's from my perspective and they might, they may wonder why there's pictures of like trash cans (laughs) in there, (laughs) but it still tells a story. I loved, um, so you had a show of your sketchbooks. I think it's been probably a year or two. Yeah, it's, it's been a year. It was last year. And you had them displayed. Yeah, it's been like a year and a half now. Wow. Yeah, because it was in May of last year. Okay. And you had them displayed under the glass case. Yeah. And I love that at some point during the show, you came and just like flipped the page. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the the hard, about the sketchbooks, if you have them in an exhibit, you can only show one page at a time. And I've been doing, over the years, I've done a lot of work in book arts, which is like hand-bound books and letterpress printed books and things. So it's always the same problem when you have an artist book because you can only show a portion of it at a time when the, when really the art is designed to be an interactive experience mm-hmm. for the viewer but you can't logistically you just can't like hand a sketchbook to people like you just can't like there's either theft issues or oh, people sure. get fingerprints yeah. on your right. stuff or 
people spill things. It's all happened to me. Um, (laughs) You name it. I had a sketchbook stolen once, not from a show, but like it's happened. And the show was all based thematically as well. And it was like the things you might see on your travels. So one was like urban areas and one was like very remote areas. So like lonely houses out on cliffs in the middle of nowhere. I actually had a bunch of different ones in different areas (laughs) of the country about that. Um, And it actually worked out really well. I had a whole farm section and so it it kind of put itself together that way. And it's Hmm. a great way to think of, you know, I have like literally thousands of sketches at this point. How do you organize a show of that? So if you pick a theme, it all starts to kind of come together on its own. You did some great compare and contrast things too. And my favorite was you paired the Gateway Arch in St. Louis oh, with, with the arch. Delicate in, Arch. Yes, yeah. Delicate Arch from in Arches. Utah. Yeah. And it was just stunning. <laughs> I, it was amazing. My daughter was four at that time and oh, she yeah. vividly recalls that. You sent me this amazing photo of her that I still use, like in my portfolio. <laughs> like when I apply for stuff, I use that photo That's to this really day <laughs> to like show people interacting with right. my work. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even a four-year-old could appreciate that. You <laughs> this know, looks and, like that. That's <laughs> yeah. great. But it was such an interesting take on it, and. For really? me, sometimes it's, that's all it is. It's just this little four-year-old in my head going, well, this looks like that. Or it's this reminds me of that. approved. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that little cluster was icons. So it was okay. like, what is the famous thing that defines a place? So in Utah, it's the arch. And right. in St. Louis, obviously, it's the it's arch. It's the arch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a really great show. Thanks. So out of all of your millions of sketchbooks, I think you're personally keeping Moleskine in business. <laughs> Pretty much. In fact, when I had to order them for my April trip, the month-long trip, I I couldn't get that quantity from any one place. <laughs> so I ordered direct from Moleskine, and yeah. they sent me this massive box of like 100 sketchbooks. <laughs> That's so funny. You must be on their radar at headquarters. They're probably like, like who is? They probably thought this? I was like a retailer or something. Right. I don't know, but... That's so funny. Does she know about wholesale? (laughs) I actually do. They and they have a nice quantity discount. So if you Mm. buy a bunch of them, you get a pretty. I think it was like twenty five percent off or something. It was a lot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Even if even if you know it is inexpensive in terms of art supplies, Mm -hmm. but if you buy a hundred of them, that adds up really fast. Yeah, it would. So well, on that note, I think we should probably wrap it up. But in our tradition. Do you have an idea for a toast? I think I do. Um, To all of those, you know, for for all the people who are scared of diving in, scared of sketching, I think I would like to toast the blank page. May you always be ready to fill it. That's great. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.